0: This is the final week of big things often come in small, unwanted, and surprising packages. And um, I just wanna encourage you again, we're walk, it's by faith. Just because something's small, you know, what are you able to see in your marriage that's not visible yet? What are you able to see that all it's been so far is a prayer? Where there is doom and gloom and reasons to be concerned and you have legitimate reasons to have worry or fear. Are you able to see the light at the end of the tunnel? Are you able to see what God is about to manifest? Big things often come in small, unwanted, and surprising packages. Luke chapter two, this is where we will take our text from this morning. Verse six and seven says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. She wrapped him in cloths placed them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, before we pray, brothers and sisters, I, I, I haven't come with a talk. I haven't come to win friends and influence people. I'm not trying to create a hallmark moment here. You've heard hundreds of Christmas sermons. So I'm not here to teach history or to put some new creative twist on the greatest story ever. But I have come to preach. I have come with a word from the Lord. And I feel it like, you know, you've heard me say this. I grew up, I was that kid growing up in church. Just I looked around and I was always saying, y'all don't believe this. If you believe this, you would be going crazy right now in a different kind of crazy way. And I, I, we were standing in the bathroom getting ready this morning. I said to Candice, I, I again, I, I don't think people believe this. It's incredible. There was a new family. I think they're here today. I sat with them Wednesday night at the meal and their first Sunday here, the guy said to me, we enjoyed the service, but can you get a little more passionate? And, um, he, he was being sarcastic and I said, I told him again Wednesday, bro, yes, I can. I, I'm dialed back. I'm always dialed back because I'm the pastor and I have to like act sophisticated to some degree. But this story, and you know, so I'm not here to out preach your last pastor or to do better than I did last year or find some nugget that Max Lucado hasn't already found in the Christmas story. You know, that's not what I'm here to do, but I am here to, to, to bring a rhema to you. Everybody know the difference. Now, if you were God and you came to earth to save mankind, when you got here, wouldn't you want everybody to know it was you? Of course you would. God's the same way. That's why there's 332 prophecies in the Old Testament just regarding Jesus. The Old Testament was written somewhere between 1400 BC and 400 BC. It was about 1,050 years, give or take. And in the Old Testament alone, there are 332 very specific prophecies about Jesus alone. There's other prophecies, but the main one, the whole Old Testament was pointing to jesus and it was the mono signal of what would become a surround uh, a, a stereo signal in the new testament and then we get to live with the holy spirit in us and he's put his law in us and written his word on our hearts we get to live in a surround sound and we, we in an hd quality no doubt we know that's the son of god in the old testament those prophecies said, talked about where he would be born when he would be born how we would be born who would come when he's born, that he would have followers, 12 of them, that one of them would betray him for, and it even told hundreds of years before, for 30 pieces of silver, how he would die, that when he died, no bone in his body would be broken, the first time, only time ever in Roman history that someone would be crucified and not have a bone broken. And the prophecies go on and on and on and on and on on in great detail about Jesus. There was a group of really smart people who got together years ago and wrote a book called Science Speaks. In that book, they ran the mathematical probability of one man coming 1,400 years later and fulfilling just eight of those 332 prophecies. And these mathematicians, attorneys, they came to this conclusion, they said, the chance that one man could come and fulfill just eight of the 332 prophecies is one out of 10 to the 17th power. That's not millions, billions, trillions, quadrillions. That's, that's a number I don't even know. That's a, that's a lot. And they, knowing that the common person like you and me wouldn't understand that kind of a number, the, so they ran the, 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 the math and said, take the state of Texas and fill it two feet deep with silver dollar coins. And I don't know if you've ever driven across Texas, Candace and I have from east to west and from north to south. And the, it's true. The sun comes up, I'm driving in Texas. The sun goes down, you're still driving in Texas. It's, a, it's enormous. And they said, fill it two feet deep with silver dollar coins. Take one coin and put a red X on it. Take a blind man in Oklahoma, blindfold him and tell him to go into texas and pick up one coin the chance that he will get the one coin that you put a red x on is the same chance that a man could come hundreds of years later and fulfill just eight of the 332 prophecies and we gathered this morning not muhammad had 62 prophecies fulfilled 27 of them and it's the fastest growing religion in the world We gather today to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We gather today not to worship someone who fulfilled eight or 128 or 272. If you were God and you came to earth, you would want people to know you are here and you are God. And Jesus is the same. And when he came, he fulfilled every one of those prophecies in infinite detail and so when we gather today, may we not be religious and have little Chuck Ramsey's grow up in our church and go, I don't think they really believe it. Because when I'm, I am gripped with a passion this morning that says, he is truly worthy. He is indescribably awesome and good and right and perfect and he loves us. He didn't fulfill 327 he fulfilled every single one of those prophecies and that's why paul said and one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father we have been witnesses of the majestic messiah and when we worship this morning May the roof come off this place because we are gripped with the passion that we have an amazing God. Mm. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away and I love the gospels. I've read them four times this year. Matthew, it took one good chapter to tell the Christmas story. Luke, it was almost two chapters. John, it was one verse the birth of Jesus, he said, the word became flesh. He came full of grace and truth. It's what, there's signs getting ready to go in the lobby when the Christmas decorations come, you may have seen them over here. And we beheld his glory. God's answer, listen, the message of what God was wanting to say to the world, the ministry of God on the planet, the human family God's whole work, one day it lay in a manger helplessly, an infant that would be raised by a teenage, first-time mother. God's answer for the world, for saving the world and righting all of the wrongs was for him to become small and dirty, to become a baby born in a barn and laid in a manger a feeding, a feeding trough that's usually filled, used to help hold hay. Hay that normally has mites and is not exactly comfortable and it pricks you. And there would be many things that would prick that little bit. And I want to tell you three things. This is somewhat of a continuation of all three weeks. I didn't get to finish last week and so I just make it part of this week. I have ADD and you get to do things like that and you explain them to your wife later when she gets home, when we get home. Number one, Jesus came from a family to bring the human family into God's family. Can I get a witness? God the Father He chose some of the worst examples in human history to be the kinfolk to the son of God himself. And after 400 years of no writings, the New Testament opens, and we've talked about the past two weeks, with the genealogy of Jesus. And it's got people like Judah, a Jew who had sex with his daughter-in-law, thinking she was a prostitute. It lists a lady named Tamar, a Gentile, who bore a Gentile. We're looking for the Jewish Messiah. There's a Gentile who bore two sons out of incest. We see Rahab listed there, Matthew 1. The Canaanite prostitute, Ruth, a Moabite. Let me remind you, the Moabite's lineage began with incest between lot and one of his own daughters And then there's david the king who committed adultery and murder among other things and then the one he committed adultery with is in that list bathsheba and then we would read in hebrews chapter 2 when it talks about these people and us verse 11 says the one who makes people holy jesus and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. How many of you know Jesus is better at being Jesus than me? There's some there's some sketchy people on that list. I don't want them in my family. That's why we get real serious when our kids start dating and bringing people home. We, can't and I, get all up on the edge because... We could be related to these people. <laughs> and you gotta be careful who you bring home up in here. That's a true story. But what a gift. And this is the whole message of the, gospel, the Bible that God gave so that you, your number one fear besides falling, your number one fear is dying. God gave a gift so that you will never have to worry about that. You will have eternal life. And so John would later say in 1 John 3, verses one and two, he says, behold, depending on what translation you read, alas, ding, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Beloved, now we are the children of God. Picking up last week, you know I talk a lot about this and I know I repeat myself. And the difference between old people who repeat themselves and people like me is I'm aware that I repeat myself. <laughs> but I repeat myself because there's things that I want on our DNA. And the whole Bible is about family, right? It opens with the marriage, closes one. The Old Testament closes, talking about family. The New Testament opens talks about family. And Jesus continues His first miracle is is at a wedding. Jesus talks when the disciples come and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. What are his first two words? Our father, not father, God, Jesus. We have the same father. Then he would go on and he would teach and, and Paul would write about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what's the Holy Spirit do? When you don't know how to pray, when, when, when the, the pain, the groanings are, are more than you can put into words, what's the Holy Spirit do? Helps you cry, Abba, Father. There's a beautiful ministry throughout the, all of the Bible and it's, it's about Jesus coming in a family to bring the human family into God's family. It's the whole message, the parables in the New Testament. Just in one chapter, in Luke chapter 15, the first verse opens up and it says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners. And he even, he eats with them. Now, most of you have read Luke before and you've said, yeah, that's where the prodigal is. The parable on the shepherd with a hundred sheep loses 99. Uh, He loses one in the, the parable of lost coins. And we love those parables. And the prodigal, we teach on those parables. But what we don't realize is when the chapter opens up, the religious people are going to the disciples. What's he doing? Does he not realize those are prostitutes? Those are crooks. And Jesus responds and he doesn't tell them one story or two. He tells them three stories. And he starts and he says, okay, one of you has a hundred sheep and you lose one. What do you do? You don't sit there celebrating the fact that you have only lost one. You don't, you don't remain concerned of the 99 you have. No, you leave the 99 to go get the lost sheep. What's Jesus doing? He's telling us a story about him coming to bring us into his family and crooked people and prostitutes and divorcees and adulterers and those who've been through everything imaginable. Then he says, a lady has a lost coin and she's not prepared, she's not concerned about fixing lunch or supper She's, she turns her house upside down to find a lost coin. Those religious people are still going, but that doesn't answer our question. And Jesus is going, You don't realize you're the lost coin. And then he talks about he tells the story of the prodigal who wasted an opportunity. You ever been wasted? Have you ever wasted an opportunity? Blew all he had, but he came to his senses. And while he was a long way off, the Bible says the father ran to him. And the word in the Greek means sprint. God is winded. Running after who? The apostle Paul. No, you and me. Tax collectors. That's the whole message of the gospel. A few weeks ago, I preached on a subject called... um, Perfect ain't in. I didn't send it to my 11th grade English teacher, but that's was the title of the sermon. It was so funny. There was a lady here for her first time and and she she reached out to me and she thought I had compromised that, that day. First time it's happened since I've been back here at this church. Someone wanted to really challenge the teaching and the sermon. And um, she literally came in and we met one-on-one, there was an elder outside the door and, and she, she said, um, I had been told that you were solid. You were a strong preacher. And I said, I I don't even know what to say, but I I said, if my wife was here, she would laugh at this conversation. I said, if some of these elders were and she said she took notes and we walked, we walked all the way through all those notes. And then I pulled out my notes and I was like, you, you missed a lot. I think early on you dialed out. You, you, and she did. Because I ended with this. When Jesus in Matthew chapter five, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing all this stuff together because I want you to see how important the theme of family is and the ministry of Jesus as he came to bring us into his family. Matthew 5, 48, Jesus said, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Or listen, brothers and sisters, be holy. Holy, Pastor Chuck, that, that's hard. No, just be whole, W-H-O-L-E. Be, be sound, be in a sound mind. Don't be so unstable. How? And Jesus is tying all of this with, know who your father is. Be perfect. As as you are connected to your father, you will be whole. Now I wanna just close point number one and just say this morning, this is the ministry of Jesus. All of us broken, dysfunctional, less than perfect people God so loved that he sent Jesus. And even the writers of the Bible said, Behold, a last dang. What kind of love he's lavished on us that he would make us sons and daughters of God. I wasn't planning on saying this, but I really feel strongly about saying it. Most Christian counseling gets down to this root you're not acting like a son or a daughter. You don't, you have forgotten who your daddy is and how much he loves you. And so that's why Jesus put his spirit in you so that he could remind you. In John 14, Jesus says, He will remind you of everything I've said to you. And everything I've said to you is God loves you. Whew. If you're here this morning, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. You, you're not. Adopted stepchild you're not you're a son a daughter if 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 Matthew could list Tamar and Rahab and Bathsheba and David and Jesus got to sit on david 's throne then you can be in the beloved you can receive the inheritance that is been brought to us through Jesus from Father God. I want you to just raise your hand and say, if you're a son, I want you to say son. If you're a daughter, I want you to say daughter. Just say it. I am a son of God. How many of you are thankful for that? Come on, how many? Do you realize what it costs? Now, secondly, there's significant warfare when it comes to family. I mean, marriage is work. Raising children, it's work. Can I get a witness? I don't care if you do remember the first time you saw her. I don't care if you were high school sweethearts. At some point you had to realize, bro, this, we need help. Amen? Raising children. Why in the world do they have to turn 25 years old before they realize how awesome their mom and dad is? (laughs) But it's that way. Reminded that old senior citizen had gotten a brand new Corvette, lived in Orlando. He was out, picked it up on a Friday morning, was driving, and he saw the the blue lights come on a state trooper's car. And as soon as he saw them, He just instinctually thought, I've never had a Corvette, I bet I can outrun that state trooper. And he went from like 75 to 115 and he didn't outrun the trooper and the trooper finally pulled him over and he walked up to him. He said, sir, what are you doing? And he explained to him, he'd just gotten the car and the trooper thought this is such a nice old man. And he said, the trooper said to him, listen, it's Friday afternoon, I know it's your new car, If you can tell me a story that I've never heard, I'm going to let you off this ticket. And the man said to him without even pausing, he said, you're going to think I'm making this up, but I'm not. I'm telling the truth. Said 20 years ago, my wife ran off with a state trooper. And I thought you were trying to bring her back. Ephesians 5 talks to men about loving their wives as Christ loved the church. Ephesians 5 talks about, listen, that a husband's redemptive love for his wife is part of what can make a woman whole. And 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 Paul says in Ephesians 5 too, he says, women, wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. This is why it's so important that you marry right. You go, that's heavy, it is. The next chapter, Paul opens up and he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. For things for you to live long and enjoy your God-given destiny, the place of promise, you must honor your father and your mother. I mentioned this briefly last week. And it's in this context that Paul in verse 12 of chapter 6, he talks about spiritual warfare. He says this in verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now listen to me closely. Warfare happens in families because it's the incubating strategy for little boys and girls to grow up. And become solid men and women who love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are to raise them in the nurture, the in the instruction, in the training of the Lord. And it's hard work, and there's warfare that comes, and the enemy does not want healthy families. It's the most basic institution in all of culture. It's not government education, even religious. It's the family. And there's significant warfare around it. You know what else? There's spiritual warfare that breaks out to keep you from a healthy, fruitful relationship with Father God. Because Satan does, listen to me, listen. Satan does not want you to become a son or daughter or God. If you become a son or... Daughter of God. He doesn't want you to realize it. If you have realized it, he wants to play mind games with you to keep you from being able to live as a son or daughter of God. He even did this with Jesus. This is why he said, if you are the son of God and Jesus knew how to deal with it. I got a lot to say right here in short time to say it. I just... Let's let's talk. Let's let's bring this home to Christmas. We we've been raised with Hallmark, and God didn't realize at the first Christmas that He was starring in a Hallmark movie. He didn't realize that Norman Rockwell and Thomas Kincaid would come and glorify Christ. God didn't even realize it was a silent night and all was calm and all was bright. God didn't realize that. How do you know, Pastor Chuck? Well. There's a lot of, she's pregnant and they had to travel 90 miles on the back of a donkey. She's in her third trimester and they get there and there's no room for them. And Revelation 12 tells us exactly what's happening. This is what happened on Christmas night. Verse one says, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, S-U-N and S-O-N. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon. Anybody know who that is? Satan. Its tail, the dragon, swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. One third of the heavenly host, the angels, became demons. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for three years. This is what happened when Jesus came to planet earth. And this is what happens when he comes to us or we come to him. Herod the Great issued a, a decree that he thought someone was gonna take his throne and like a true politician, he wanted to protect his stuff. And so he said, I'll take care of that. Let's kill all the little Jewish boys in Bethlehem region two years and younger. And there were hundreds if not thousands of toddlers murdered we don't live in the first era when politicians have lost their minds. And I say that just like I said it. Mm. It was called the massacre of the innocents. Same thing happened when God was raising up a deliverer in the Old Testament, Moses. We don't read our our Bible stories. This is why I don't think we believe the things we sing or oftentimes we say. Moses was born and he had to be hidden in the Nile among the bulrushes, why? Because the Pharaoh was throwing, he had heard that the Hebrews were growing at such a rate, they're going, that race is going to overwhelm us and they're gonna grow and. They're gonna be able to take, up, take over. They're gonna have more votes than we're gonna have. and So Pharaoh took every little boy two years and, and threw them into the Nile River. This is what happens. Listen to me, any, any time where Jesus is about to be born, any time Jesus is about to arrive, To come into a place, anytime Jesus is trying to come into a situation, a life, spiritual warfare breaks out. And I I know there's people from different denominations, but brothers and sisters, the enemy has lulled us to sleep and domesticated our faith to where we don't even realize what he's doing. And oftentimes we partner with him and don't even mean to and don't even realize it. You don't, if, you, if you don't believe in spiritual wars, warfare, just host a small group Bible study in your home. <laughs> Can I get a witness? I'm not, I'm not trying to be cute or funny or entertaining. Or, or become the pastor or just say, Pastor Chuck, I'd like to share my testimony one Wednesday. By the time you get to share it, you will have a whole new testimony or at least a couple new chapters. You might know what I'm talking about. The greatest challenges of our marriage. I love my wife and I do remember the first time I saw her and I said, oh my God. And I wasn't talking to her, I was talking about him. I was like, oh my God, make her my wife, please. But being in ministry, we, it took us a little bit years before we realized on Saturday nights why Chuck and Candace are having the Jerry Springer show in our house. You know, am I right, honey? Thank you. I was hoping she would agree with me because when we get home, we're going to have the Jerry Springer show. (laughs) I'm teasing. But warfare is real. I can be teaching on a subject. This has happened throughout 25 years of preaching. And then some. I can be preaching, and I can get to a point in a sermon, and I can see someone get up, and they think it's a stomachache, or they need to go to the bathroom, and I can see it in the spirit realm, and I can go... Satan just got them out to hear something that's an incorruptible seed that's getting ready to go in. And if they'll receive it in their heart, there would be breakthrough. And they're out there taking a call or sending a text or using a bathroom. Now, if you need to use a bathroom, don't let that stop you from, I'd rather you go out there than do it in here. You, But, but listen, Mike Warnke said, Satan's number one trick in America is that he has convinced Christians He's not real. Warfare is real. There's, well Pastor Chuck, okay, we, we, we realize it now. Tell me how to deal with it. Great, I'm glad you asked. There's three easy steps. Number one, how do I deal with warfare? You need to recognize it's warfare. So recognize it. Everybody say, recognize it. A lot of people, they're halfway in it. There are three sessions of counseling. They've pulled half their hair out and they've got cuts on their face and they don't even realize, I'm not wrestling against my husband in his selfish ways. This is Satan. Let me say this, the battle going on in our culture right now, it's not China, it's not the Republicans, it's not the Democrats, it's not Fox News or Rush Limbaugh or Don Lemon. I'm not sure about Andrew Cuomo, but I don't think it's about him either. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And unfortunately for most of the American church, their verse is, we don't wrestle. We wrestle against principalities, against a real adversary who has real power. And the reason we wrestle is because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world and what he comes to take. We say no, you can't take it because we recognize what's happening. The second thing is you've got to pray. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. This is as simple and as practical as it can get. Take authority. Tell Satan not today. And then we call it bind him or rebuke him or just cancel his assignment. How? How did Jesus do it? Jesus started quoting scripture. Pray. And you'll be, you'll be amazed that you'll go, you'll, in, your, in your marriage, you'll be at odds. And if you could just crucify your flesh and say, honey, let's pray. How quickly the grace of God will come into that place. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So pray. And then thirdly, worship. Well, Pastor Chuck, I thought prayer is worship. It is, but I'm talking about now put on some worship music. Put, listen, and, and don't think, Pastor Chuck, you are just so juvenile at times. Is it that simple? You know, I'm I'm the staff will tell you I'm anal about I don't want silence in the lobbies. When we have a every how many thousands of dollars we and we've got this, we can put worship music. And and we put it on the outside. Even when we're not here, on Saturday night, last night when I was here, I left. I didn't want the neighbors hearing our worship music all night. Well, I didn't want them hearing it too loudly. I wanted them to hear it, but not too loudly. You know, on Sunday mornings, in and in, we we put it the worship set that they're singing. It's playing in our house. We've underestimated our own weapons, and and this isn't. We lift our hands and sing to skilled musicians so we can feel better. There's a, there's a kingdom of darkness that hovers over Alpharetta and Roswell. The same kind of demonic forces that are on the bluffs and Bankhead Highway. In fact, they're more covert and senior here. That's why we lift up praise. And that's why you should lift up praise. In traffic, in the lobby out there, we like praise music going because it drives out the wicked. Fo- what did David do for Saul? He played music and Saul calmed down because those forces were uh, neutralized in the middle of worship. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody just want, Pastor Chuck, would you just pause a second so we can offer up praise? Listen, if you could see what, what Frank Peretti in the old book, um, Piercing the Darkness, You read that book, it's thirty-some years old and you understand what's happening in the realm of the spirit. If you did, you'd be praising him at Walmart, you'd be shouting at Kroger and going down 400 everywhere you go. You know what, can we, you know what, let's stand. Can we offer up just a, uh, just a, 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 an offering of praise that we over Roswell, Alpharetta, Rucker Road. Come on, it's for you, Lord. We give you praise, come on. We give you honor. We give you glory. You're the one who's worthy. Satan, you belong under our feet. You will not take our praise. We recognize your schemes. We pray in the spirit on all occasions. And we lift up praise to our God. The battle belongs to the Lord. We exalt you, Lord. We praise your name. Praise your name, Lord. Praise your name, Father. Now, I'm closing right here with this. You can be seated. Number three, make room for him and wait. Or wait and make room for him. Luke chapter two, verse seven, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Look here. Can... Let, let me explain. this They were not literally in a barn. They were probably not in a cave either, as some people teach. In, in Bethlehem in the first century, they were little huts, and most of them were two stories. And during the day, the family would be on that first level. And at night, they would bring in the barns, and the family would sleep on that second level. And... Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem and there was, there was no other place. Think about that. And so they were welcomed into this little place where animals normally were at night. That's it. What a God that would say, I, I've come and I'm okay with this. What a meek, mild, humble, merciful, persistent God we serve. Max Lucado years ago wrote about the conversation that might have happened around the breakfast table that next morning at the innkeeper upstairs. Some one of the teenagers might have said, "Pass me the gravy." By the way, did any of y'all hear what I heard last night? What'd you hear? There was something was going on below us, and it, it seemed like there were other people down there. And the father spoke up and said, Yeah, there was that that young couple, she looked like she was expecting, and and the mother said, and there's rumor that the Messiah could be born in Bethlehem right now. And the kids said, the Messiah in our basement. <laughs> That's what is going on the morning after. And they're not aware the Messiah is within earshot of their breakfast conversation. And Mary and Joseph do their thing and the family never realizes what happened in their basement. Make room for him. What do we learn about Father God in this story? We learn this, he'll do anything to reach us. He will go anywhere to get us. And we learn this about people. Some things never change. People are still too busy to have time or room. People are still too impatient to wait For him. Now, as we come to a close this morning, brothers and sisters, Lord, help us right now in 2020 to understand what's going on in our basement, in our church, here this morning. Help us to understand it, Lord. Brothers and sisters, big things often come in small, unwanted and surprising packages if if old Jochebed had known when Pharaoh was trying to take Moses out what Moses would become if the innkeeper's family had known what had happened and if, listen you had known what's really happening in 2020. You wouldn't be thinking so much about what the culture's trying to get you to think about. Psalm 40, the psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, heard my cry. And here's what happens when you Wait. And you make room. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And because of this, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Read this with me, this last verse. (laughs) Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Are y'all out there? Pastor Chuck, that's all you got. Make room. You know how many times we've heard that? Yeah. They waited for hundreds of years. It was in John chapter five that Jesus told the religious people one time, said, you've studied the scriptures thinking that knowledge of the scriptures will save you. Those scriptures you've memorized speak of me and you don't even realize who I am. Make room for him. Wait patiently. There's somebody here this this morning. Just listen to me closely. These are things I wasn't prepared to share, but I sense Holy Spirit speaking to me. There's somebody here this morning. You've said... I said this last year at Christmas if I'm in this same predicament I don't know if I can go on there's somebody here waiting on God to change your situation and God is waiting for you to make room for him to make him priority with your heart soul, mind and strength to love him and in doing that there will be a series of favor and miraculous things that will begin to happen as you will, you wait patiently for him and his plan, his promise in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Receive that. I sense so much prophetic weight and unction in this room. We bang our heads against the wall with our own Strategies, and we miss our way out. We were getting ready for our Christmas party. We have the leadership over. We live in a barn. And last Sunday, a hundred and some people coming over and one of the doors was open. And, and you're going to think I'm making this up. And the old Bill Gaither song or new song, whoever it was, a bird flew in our barn. We've got a hundred and some place settings out. Everything is like perfect. And I didn't know if, what to do. So I said, Candace, we have a bird in the barn. And um, she said, We'll get him out. And so I, I lifted the, the door up and I went to try and help the bird. And the bird was scared to death. And so what did it do? It flew headlong, as fast as it could fly, right into a window. Recovered, got up, checked another window. It looked like his way out. Checked another window. And finally, we were able to get that thing out. And I thought to my, I almost came to tears at the number of people who fly into walls thinking this is my way out. And the Lord is coming to say to you today, Oh, if you will surrender to me, if you will give these situations to me, quit trying to handle them on yourself by yourself. Give them to me. How many of you know he's still a way maker? How many of you know he's a miracle working God? Do you know that? Come on, stand to your feet. We praise you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. We praise you, Lord. If you're here this morning, I'm gripped with this right now. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, before we leave, I pray you'll know him. If you know him, but you're not really walking with him, and as a result, you just keep flying into walls. You think they're a way of escape and they just keep crashing in on you. The Lord's calling you, make room for him. It might just be a small thing to you, but big things come in small packages at surprising times, even in unwanted situations. If you're here this morning and you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you about giving that situation away to Him, if you feel Him calling you to make room, to come back home, to receive the great gift that God sent in Jesus, if you're here today, and you feel that I want you to slip up your hand right now all over the room in the name of Jesus 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 God bless you God bless you God bless you now if you're here and there is a situation let's get real okay I'm getting ready to let you go but let's get real before we leave Please don't underestimate this moment. Big things, small packages, surprising, unwanted. If you're here and you're, you're, there's a situation that you're managing. I got a splinter in my hand yesterday and I couldn't get it out late last night. But the splinter just wears me out if I can't get it out. And I waited until this morning, every time I rolled over last night, it would turn in my hand. Now finally I woke up and got it out this morning. And there's some of you, you're carrying a situation just, it gnaws at you. It just, it demands your attention and you can't fix it. You can't get it out. And the Lord is calling you to, to give it to him. If there is a, a situation that you're carrying and you're like, I need help. And God is calling you right now to give it to him. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. Come on. Come on, lift it up high in the name of Jesus. Even as you lift your hand, feel the freedom, feel the release in the realm of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, Father, over marriages, over children, businesses, finances, whatever it is, job security, health, in the name of Jesus. We take authority and in spiritual warfare, we declare that we are the sons and daughters of God. We have been made whole. We will not believe the report of this world that says there is sickness. There is reason to worry, to be fearful. We believe the report of the Lord. We will live and not die. We will be blessed. We will not be cursed. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. So we cast all of our care on you, Lord, because you care for us in the name of Jesus. Now, by faith, in the name of Jesus... I want you to now declare, I am free. free. Come on now, declare it. Speak it out loudly. I am free. Now I want you to do this. I'm stretching you this morning because everybody look. Hold up just a second, guys. This is no normal Christmas. I told the group we prayed on Tuesday night. We don't know what will happen between now and next Sunday. And I don't want, if something breaks loose in the world, I don't want you, part of this church, to just have a que sera. sera. Pastor Chuck didn't act like anything was unusual last Sunday. No, you hear me, you see me. I can't pray and get up and go, let me just come up with a, let's get through a cute Christmas season. Brothers and sisters, we live in perilous times. But we are more than conquerors we live in dangers and the, the bible says be sober be vigilant for your adversary that's what the bible says hebrew says noah built an ark and saved his family i want to build an ark and save this family in this season and i'm, I'm calling you as we now christmas is going to be wonderful But all hell might break loose. But it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. Now, what if you, your freedom comes to you at the level of passion that you yell, I am free. Like if I say, I am free, I get that much freedom. What if I say, I am free. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Now, how free are you? I want you, in the count of three, I want you to say, and I'm wanting faith to be released into you because I know how you North Atlanta people are. You'll hear a good sermon. You'll hear the word of the Lord. You'll get in the car and you'll be at Matthew chapter four. the, the, The seed fell among the weeds and the weeds grew up and choked the word out. The seed falls on the sidewalk and you don't even get off the parking lot and you've forgotten what God tried to tell you this morning. If you have a marriage in trouble, a job, finances, health, we serve a God of miracles. And so I want you to declare by faith, I am free. And so when you leave here, you may not feel it, you might not have it yet, but when you get in your car and you're on your way home, it may not come tonight, but tomorrow morning you wake up going, I am free from that. I am free. Satan's not going to play those mind games with me. I am free in the name of Jesus. Now are you ready? On the count of three, ready, shout, I am free. One, two, three. I am free. free! Woo! Come on, praise you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, be free. Free to worship. God is so good. Amen? I feel so good I could preach again right now. Well, I, I want to be faithful. What God gives me, I want to give to you. And I want you to take it. Live the abundant life. Don't forget, this Wednesday, um, this is our third annual time we gather at Avalon. We do ice skating. Uh, we've already bought, I don't know, hundreds of... We, they're ticketing it and we we bought all that we could get so join us Wednesday uh, we bring good quality hot chocolate it's a great time to just fellowship this Wednesday it'll start at 6:30 at the Avalon and then don't forget um Thursday night I'm going to be uh, I'll be speaking at the Christmas Eve services and we're doing two of them you should have a little invitation a card there We mailed them out. It was almost 5,000 of them to people within like two miles of here. And on those two services, we're expecting a big crowd. And would you pray that God would do a great thing here on those services? And um, I hope that you'll join with us as well. All right? Merry Christmas, everybody. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, be blessed. We love you.